You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. everybody welcome back drum roll please superhero theory so casey what is it that draws you into the world of superheroes and comic cons and all that stuff um it's really fandom itself i wouldn't necessarily say it's superheroes for me specifically but um it's sort of that community you have when you all come behind one story or one character or a group of characters. And I don't know that sense of community that you get um, at a convention, especially. Mm. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It's just that collective, like we're all on the same team feeling that I get from conventions. It's really interesting, especially now in today's world. So it used to be you got that sense of community by going to the movie theater and it was seeing it in the public format that really like made you feel connected. It was a shared experience. Other people were laughing. They were gasping all at the same time. And that was such an important part of the experience for me. And I never in a million years would have believed that I would be one of the people driving the move away from theaters, and now I'd much rather watch something at home, and I have a really hard time. Like, even Dunkirk. I really want to see Dunkirk, but it's like, ah, there's just enough friction with leaving and seeing it on the big screen, even though I know that is a movie that really warrants being seen on the big screen. So, man, nobody is more surprised than me. So it's really interesting. I've never put that together, that it... It is fandom in and of itself. And when I think about one of the things that we're trying to harness and one of the reasons that I keep like, so we talk internally a lot about um, being con friendly, right? So the new show that we're doing needs to be con friendly. It's not all around superheroes to your point, but it needs to be con friendly. And I think you may have put your finger on what it is about that that I like. There's this nerd culture really has um, just gravitated towards the, the group coming together as a collective, celebrating that attachment to something, to an ethos, to a storyline, to a character that I find really, really fascinating. But what's interesting is not all of it is around my fetish, which is empowerment. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you think um, makes for something that's really popular in that world? Uh, like why, like Twin Peaks, that makes sense at Comic-Con. But, um, like, friends wouldn't. Right. So, wow, like, what is that sort of ineffable quality that makes it con-friendly? Well, there's something, I guess a lot of people would say there needs to be a fantastic element to whatever the property is. But I think also it just has to be um, but Big Bang Theory. World. The, the, well, like, that's a special sitcom. case, I think, because... The show itself is about people who are fans of nerd culture. All right, fair enough. So it's kind of a special case. Right. Ordinarily, I don't think a sitcom would ever be at Comic-Con, but um, they talk about going to Comic-Con, so I think it gets a pass. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But in general, I think it's properties that have giant worlds so that you can really nerd out on the details. Mm. In fact, like just yesterday, Jared and I were talking about Game of Thrones and Courtney was marveling at that we spent a half hour just talking continuously because that's how big the world is 
if you're a fan and you find another fan, you can just go on and on and on right. and talk and talk forever. Um, so, and that's a big thing for me about going to con is I always feel like, oh, almost like this is home. And like everyone there is just so happy to be there. Even if you're fans of different worlds, mm. you sort of have that, just that same, I don't know. Um, kinship. Thanks. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Cindy. So, yeah. All right, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. All right, so you were saying. Okay, so we'll start with Superman. Let's do it. Um, what I always liked most about Superman was actually Clark Kent, which is why I wore this outfit. Mm. Um, and By the way, world's worst disguise for Clark Kent. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm fairly But obvious. wait, I have my glasses but on. What do you mean? is this really that good of a disguise to no. begin with? No, let's, no. let's be honest. Come on, Lois. Get, get it together. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> I always loved Clark even more than Superman. Really? That's interesting. I like, um, he's so awkward, and I think I always identify with awkward characters. Mm. Um, and then I actually have a quote oh, shit. from one of the creators of Superman, Jerry Siegel, um, about what they were going for when they made the character. Mm. So, if you're interested in what made Superman what it is, here's one of the keys to what made it universally acceptable. Joe and I had certain inhibitions which led to wish f fulfillment, which we expressed through our interest in science fiction and our comic strip. That's where the dual identity concept came from and Clark Kent's problems with Lois. I imagine there are a lot of people in this world who are similarly frustrated. Joe and I both felt that way in high school, and he was able to put the feeling into sketches. Um, so curious what you think about Superman as like a wish fulfillment character. Wow. So that is really interesting. And I'm literally putting this together in real time here. I've never thought about that before. I have spent an inordinate amount of time fantasizing about magic genies. And one of the reasons I used to ask people the magic genie question when I was interviewing is it gets to their truest value system. And because I have spent so much time thinking about it, it was a release valve for me. So the fact that I would never have superpowers um, like in that sort of grandiose way, spending as much time as I have spent thinking about a magic genie, like some little part of me, it, it made it real, right? And I've talked a lot about the pacifying effect of fantasizing about having already accomplished your dreams and how it can actually spill over into the dangerous realm. But when I say it actually bothered me. Like there's legitimate heartbreak to the fact that I will never have superpowers. Um, that magic genie question always like, oh, if, if I encounter that magic genie, Superman is exactly that. Like there's this sense of like fantasizing about being all powerful, invincible, like the intoxication of invincibility to never have, like as somebody who's had anxiety, the, the idea of being invincible, like nothing can hurt you is really incredible, which is probably also why I think that the storylines that are intriguing in Superman all come down to robbing him of the wish fulfillment and putting him in an area where now he's impoverished again. Relationships, emotion, loss of family, being alone, isolation. Like I think there are, unbelievable low budget stories to tell about Superman where all the superhero stuff falls to the background and his, his like power becomes the thing that isolates him and getting to like, it's kind of like Jim Carrey's quote. I wish everyone could get rich and famous so that you would see that that's not the answer, right? Like 
spending so much time fantasizing about Superman, but then colliding with the realities of, it wouldn't change anything. Like all the doubts and insecurities that you have about your worthiness and all of that, like they would still be there because it's like this universal human trait about having a brain that's made up of a lizard brain, a mammalian brain, and a neocortex. Like it is the truth, the the fragility of our worthiness, which comes and goes, you know? So like Superman, people not wanting him to be there or not thinking he's doing enough or, you know, all of those, like Jesus, like, is it ever enough? Or not being able to get Lois Lane and knowing that when he's Clark Kent, she won't look at him twice, but when he's Superman and feels distant, anyway, I could really go off on that, which I did not see coming. <laughs> um, and in fact, the things, because I also have Superman on my list, but it's, it's I think, going to be very different than the things you have on your list. Would you like to? Well, I, please points? go. Like you're, you're really stirring things up for me here. Um, well, do you think we all have that Superman lurking within us then? Can we like, if we're all Clark Kent initially, or if we feel like we're Clark Kent, can we release that Superman identity? And is that, should we be doing that? Well, I'll answer what you're, the words you're asking, and then I'll answer what you're, you're actually um, getting at. And the, the answer to the words is no. I don't think hiding in all of us is a Superman. I don't think hiding in all of us is anything. So I think it's really about development rather than discovery. So you have to turn in and develop something. Now, on a long enough timeline, I think people can develop, obviously not those exact superpowers, but you can get to the point where you've accumulated so much knowledge and ability that you, you can rise above other people and do things that, that do appear sort of superhuman in, in a realistic way. Um, and so understanding that difference and understanding the heartbreak of looking at humanity, looking at all the people that you love and knowing that most of them will never even try to manifest their potential, right? And in this group, it's, it's very easy to lose sight of. Most people aren't like that. Like most of the people... And this is why we get asked this question all the time. What do you do when you love somebody that has a fixed mindset? Because they're never going to go about and express that potential. So I can't believe we're already at the halfway point. Uh, so I'll leave it yeah. at that. Um, I never thought, I thought 30 minutes would be tough to fill. And now I'm realizing, Jesus. <laughs> I have six heroes to get through. Yeah. Better... <laughs> so, Moving on. Which, which is very interesting. And I really, I really, really want feedback on this segment. And look, whatever our next segment is, maybe we can push it a little bit. I'd like to spend a little more time um, on this because, so here's my thesis. And one thing that I'm really, really curious, and I, and I need your, how, how many people are in the feed right now? Jesus. Guys, you can be so useful to us right now. I really, really want to know. So one, we wouldn't do it on this set because this, this moment feels very incongruous for me when I'm used to being in such a different mindset on this particular set. But we're building out the new set. Um, and this was the moment that Lisa and I were thinking about when we were building out the new set in our minds it was literally you and cosplay, me like going into like um, some deeper shit and you're blowing me away right now with your insights and questions, which is really, um, really, really cool. And I want to know, like, if this stuff is meaningful to you. This is really meaningful to me. And um, searching through, like, why these kinds of, and it's not always going to be superheroes, but why fandom characters do create community, why we become so obsessed with their worlds, why I find it more accessible to talk about leadership in um, the realm of Game of Thrones, then I, I have no interest in writing a blog article about the three styles of leadership. 
until you let me talk about the Game of Thrones. Then I'm fucking intrigued, um, especially if I can use the imagery and clips. So I, I really, really want to know. Obviously, sit back, listen to the rest of this, but I want to know if this resonates with you or not, or if we need to, to rethink this. This is better for me than I thought it would be. Um, so keep going. Okay. Uh, second hero... Well, so are you? You're done I'm with, done Superman? with my Superman. Okay, so, so let me go into Superman just so we're not bouncing back and forth. So it's really, really interesting uh, to to contrast this. So Superman to me was always my my guilty superhero. It was the one that um, never felt like it was okay to admit that I liked him because he's given everything, and he didn't have to work for it. And it's anathema to my entire belief system that you're not born you create yourself but he's born mm -hmm. he's he's given all of this stuff by the yellow sun and then i remember in my time of crisis cuz i couldn't shake him i couldn't stop thinking about him i couldn't stop being inspired by that wish fulfillment which i had never put my finger on but the thing that finally clicked into place when um you know back in whatever it was 2007 uh, that I had sort of my emotional crisis and realized I'm chasing money and what is this and I don't feel alive and um, my life literally feels as cliche as it feels empty and meaningless and totally devoid of purpose. So why is Superman that keeps coming to my mind? And I realized that it was about the yellow sun. And while Superman is not the thing that I turn to to be inspired by strength, Superman is the thing that I turn to to remember that each of us becomes superhuman when we find our yellow sun. So when you take Superman out of the yellow sun, he's just a normal person. He doesn't have superpowers. And the allegory in that is that the yellow sun is passion. And for me, when I can tap into passion, like um, you, you've seen me do it, right? I'll click over into something. And then I feel capable of rallying people, getting people excited to believe in the vision. But if I can't click over into that, I don't have the energy. I don't, the ideas aren't coming as fast. My brain isn't firing as fast. I'm not making these unique creative connections. But when I click over into passion, everything is different. And I really do feel capable of the extraordinary. And so that became this defining moment for me as I realized I was no longer going to chase money, that I just couldn't do it, that I'd moved away from my yellow sun. I'd spent so much time thinking about Batman, right? My life was reversed. I was spending 80% of the time in the darkness thinking that it was good, not realizing just how corrosive it was becoming. And then I flipped it and it became about being in that yellow sun and finding my passion and having a mission and being awash in that thing that makes me special, that makes any of us special. And because that was so utterly profound and literally has become like that thing that sits at the center of me, like, you know, with Iron Man, where he's got that energy thing generating right at the center of his chest, that was like the analogy is Superman and the yellow sun. So that's really the, the driver for me that we all have kryptonite that makes us weak. Like what is that thing that's your, um, that makes you feel badly about yourself or I hate the word trigger because that's really taken on some weird connotations, but what's something that puts you in a dark place, right? And it could be something as simple as seasonal affectation disorder, or it could be your mom right? Like just some weird thing that draws you into a dark place, um, a, a memory, an abuse in childhood, like whatever that thing is. But we all have some kryptonite, some thing that we have to get through. And I love that, that you have this image of this invincible being, but 
there's that one thing, right? Like everybody has that. Um, and no matter how powerful you are, there's no substitute for human connection. So going back to the world that I want to see come to fruition for Superman would be that where his superpowers are in the background and, and we're just looking at, you know, a tale of loss. We're looking at like, what, what does a relationship look like for somebody that has accepted that kind of responsibility, right? What does that all look like? Um, and, and, and can he be functioning? And Christian, or Christian, Christopher and I've been up for a long time. <laughs> Christopher and I were talking about um, Superman 2, which is both, it, it's my favorite Superman movie. It's his favorite superhero movie where Superman loses his powers that's when it got interesting for me because now you get into the vulnerability and what does it mean to lose something, to lose your identity, to give up your identity, right? Because he gives it up. All right, so I'm surprised at how much I could go on about Superman. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, but yeah. All right. All Who's right. next for you? Next is your shirt, Batman. Nice. You already started touching on what I wanted to ask you about, so... I think Batman's most like recognizable characteristic is the darkness. Mm. So um, really, and, and and it's just like a, such a key element to his character in the fact that he's sort of regarded as a vigilante by a lot of people. 
his costume itself is very menacing on purpose as the bat. Yeah. He does his deeds in the dark um, and he's driven by something very dark, the death of his parents, um, which could be seen as sort of just a vengeance tale versus what you would think a hero should be doing. <coughs> so um, I guess I want to ask you what you think of how he uses his darkness to do good because I know you think there's, there's certainly... Um, motivational, for lack of a better word, elements mm. to having a darkness in you and how you can use that to actually achieve something good. So it, the the Frank Miller version of The Dark Knight Returns where we see a haggard Batman, an aged Batman who's given everything up in that pursuit, to me is really the, the ultimate vision of where this leads. He's done, I have the chills, he's done incredible things, but he's, he's given his life He's still breathing, but he's really given his life. And I think that's the truth of the dark side. It allows you, and the dark side is real, okay? That, that is, and I think everybody intuitively knows that, but there's so much association to Star Wars that I think people get lost in, in fantasy and mythology when they hear that. Um, but within all of us is a reaction to, um, it's, it's a reaction of anger. It's a reaction of hate. We're all capable of rage. Like we all know that intuitively. So when we're talking about the darkness, that's what we're talking about. It is a very compelling force um, and allows you to do things physically that otherwise you wouldn't be capable of. So having that be the core of Batman, I think is really, really fascinating. But Frank Miller's take of the corrosive nature of that is so important for people to understand because because it is powerful, because there can be an addictive quality to spending your time there and the certainty of being outraged and being full of hate and the clarity that that brings that people can end up spending too much of their time there. And in that telling of Batman where it really robs him of a chance to have a joyful life, I think that's, that's important. And it's important to see both of those sides in Batman just the... He's aspirational, right? We all want to be that badass. I remember um, reading about, I was talking to my business partner about this, and, he, and I actually can't even remember if I read it or if he just retold it so well, but that he reads lips in Russian, right? Like that's Batman. So he sees this Russian guy and he's talking. And so not only does he know how to read lips, but he knows how to speak Russian. Um, and that, that was sort of that moment that really epitomized like how hard Batman is trained, how many skills Batman has acquired. And doing all of that to serve something bigger than yourself. But he has that one fatal flaw, which is that he can't stop living in the darkness. Um, that is super intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. So speaking about all of those skills, Batman has no superpowers inherently. Mm. He developed everything through strict training, quiet. He really, really taught himself how to be a superhero. Mm. And then additionally, he was wealthy. Bruce Wayne was wealthy. So he could use his money to develop the Batmobile yeah. and all those, you know, weaponry and everything. So um, what do you think about superheroes that don't have those inherent superpowers as like Superman, as compared to someone like Batman. I think that's a reason a lot of people love Batman because he's just a man mm. who developed those skills. Yeah, honestly, like I, I would be a little surprised. It, it, it's very possible that somebody could pitch a really compelling idea that we just have to develop where it's true superpowers. Um, but I find myself infinitely more drawn to people that don't have superpowers. So 
in in the real comic book world, Daredevil has superpowers. He gets toxic waste in his eye, and it's a time where it's sort of the radioactive thing. And um, when I read it, I set that aside, and I just say this is a guy who's developed his hearing to the point where it feels like vision, and he's learned to do echolocation because there are really people that can do that. Have you ever seen that blind kid that can rollerblade? No. It's unbelievable. And they have him rollerblading down the street, and he's, he's clicking, clicking, clicking. He's like curb, 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 garbage can. Literally, right as he comes to a garbage can, click car, car, garbage can, space. It's so unreal, and he's just doing it, clicking, clicking, clicking. But he's gotten so good at reading the literally the echolocation. Um, so humans are really capable of just absolutely extraordinary things, and so having somebody who does super heroic stuff, and I'm willing to suspend disbelief and you know accept that, like, look, the dude would have punctured his lung and be bleeding to death on the street right now. In truth. Um, and I, but I would rather that I would rather it be painted as this is somebody who through extraordinary effort has developed extraordinary skills. Mm -hmm. And I really, daredevil is actually one of my favorite, um, characters because of that. Like once, if, if you will allow me to sort of step outside of Canon for a second and say that it's something that he's developed, um, just super, super powerful. So those are the kinds of, when I think about us getting into superheroes, I see it it going that way. And one of the superheroes I want to do, I, I was telling you guys, is based on a real story um, of this guy that slit his daughter's throat and it, like all three of his children, I think there were three girls, if I'm not mistaken, slits all of their throats and, and dumps their bodies in the ditch, but she didn't die for real. And like, what what does that person look like as a superhero, right? What do they look like when instead of being broken by that event, which is exactly what happens to most people, decides that she's going to come back and protect people that don't, you know, aren't able to protect themselves. And, and what does that look like? And what does she have to put herself through? And um, how does she deal with the trauma? Like it, ah, there's just really something there, but not making her a superhero, but making her capable of superheroics. So dare I say, those are the sort of superhero tales we want to tell. No question. On Impact Theory. No question. Impact Theory comics. Yeah, literally. I mean, that, that's, that's exactly it. And, you know, I think there are other things that we'll want to do as well that aren't necessarily even around the ethos of being a superhero. And, and I would love to bring a more manga style, not, not artistically, but a more like everyday exploration because um, it's the serialization that I really like. All right, I can tell we're going to go on forever. Uh, announce giveaway question starting in 1989 and in chronological order jesus name every live action film that's already been released in which batman appears and name the actor who played him is this for the like ultimate prize i don't like, make the questions this is in people <laughs> wow this this is hardcore so um, I hope we're giving something pretty amazing away for this one. All of All these right. lovely pop figures. All right, there you go. This, this is for the fellow nerds out there. Starting in 1989 and in chronological order, name every live action film that's already been released in which Batman appears and name the actor who played him. Wow. All right, cool. Um, how much time do we have or how much time are we over at this point? Yeah, let us let us have like five more minutes. How, how much over are we? Just one minute. We're, give us give us five more minutes. So, well, me, oh, you're gonna talk no, about please. Batman now? No, no, no. Okay. So, do you want to select? Because I was gonna go to Wonder Woman next. Okay, well, let's do Wonder can, Woman. Okay. Because we haven't done uh, female yet. Great. So Wonder Woman. 
Um, so looking up some of the history of Wonder Woman, I read that the creator, uh, his name's William Moulton Martson, uh, she first appeared in 1941. Um, he said he created her as a reaction to the hyper-masculine violence of other comic book heroes. And she, alternatively, would be a hero that values love and peace, but would be just as strong and powerful as the male heroes. So I'm curious then, sort of, if Wonder Woman is an example of a different type of hero, if we translate that into a leader, how can a leader express strength and power positively and lead by that example? Wow, what a great question. Um, and I would love to echo it with um, a, a tale of a female, but I'm going to give you a tale of Jon Snow. And so you talked about that. this earlier in the um, one of the other impact entertainment segments that we did, talking about the three styles of leadership and the remaining characters of Game of Thrones. And, and um, this is very much a spoiler alert. So stop watching um, if you're not caught up on Game of Thrones. I'm not going to get specific, not intentionally, but I, I just always so worry about revealing something. Um, Jon Snow, to me, is the leader I aspire to be. So if you think about the three leadership styles right now, you have Cersei, um, you have Daenerys, and you have Jon Snow. Cersei, they're literally a spectrum. So you have Cersei over here. She's evil, rules by fear, um, is not hesitant to kill a whole lot of people, and is, maintains her power by being effective. And I think that's important for people to understand. Like she, There's economic prosperity in, in um, her kingdom. That's just true. Now, whether that economic prosperity is simply because everyone is too afraid to oppose her, doesn't matter. There's economic prosperity. So between being afraid of her and the economic prosperity, nobody's pushing back, but everybody wants her to fail. Not realizing, of course, that her death would create a power vacuum and then what happens in that power vacuum, and we see that when despots are um, removed from power all the time, you think you're better off um, without them, but because they usually get replaced by another asshole, it's like... Uh, you know, it, it's a really gnarly situation to be in. And reading uh, Revolution for Dummies by Bassem Yusuf was a real eye-opener for me. Um, so then in the middle, you've got Daenerys. And Daenerys is very benevolent. She's a benevolent dictator. She wants good things. She wants to free people, considers herself the breaker of chains. But at the same time, she's got three fucking dragons behind her. Mm -hmm. And tells you you have to bend a knee. There's no if, ends, or buts. You're either going to be exiled or killed. So... There is fear. Now, people do love her, but they also fear her. And then the third style is Jon Snow. And Jon is leading from the front. That's the most important thing about him. He has a sword, and he is in the mix with you. And he's never going to ask you to go first. Like, he's going to lead the charge in the Battle of the Bastards. I mean, he's literally right there with total disregard for himself, just going to, you know, take on the whole fucking army. So that there's something so inspiring. Like he's the only one I think that's inspiring. Mm -hmm. Daenerys maybe leaves you in awe because mm -hmm. she's got the dragons and she frees people, and, but he's inspiring. You want to rush to his aid, but he's vulnerable. And he's vulnerable in times of fear and failure. Mm -hmm. So when you don't have the dragons behind you, the you know army that you control or whatever, and we see that, and this spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert, um, he gets killed. And it's not until he comes back from the dead that he's able to, we're able to see like what he does now and how he goes about earning loyalty. But seeing him have to go through that betrayal um, is, is really tough. But looking at 
him and the and I think it, the thing that I really really respond to in him is leading from the front. And so when you think about somebody, um, when you bring it into a business context in the you know the framework of Wonder Woman and leading with something other than just dominance and aggression, like what does that create? So he's an example of that. There have really been um, other great leaders in business that have, have taken a much, and you know, let's talk about John Paul DeJoria, right? Who we had on the show and who's a great example of really creating a welcoming, loving culture where people feel cared for and respected and like they're a part of it. And I think in like 35 years, they've lost less than 70 people. I mean, that's, that is bonkers. So really speaks to the kind of culture that he's created. So I think there, there are paths and it'll be really interesting to see what the next 10 and 20 years brings as we have more women that are, you know, Sheryl Sandberg leaning into it, rising to power, really beginning to redefine what women are capable of in the corporate world. Um, I, I think this is going to be really, really exciting to see. Um, how many of them adopt sort of traditionally male aggressive techniques, which can work very effectively, and how many go in the complete opposite direction? I think we're going to see a lot because of social media that can really be empowered and go in the complete opposite direction. Um, but there, there, is, there really is a vulnerability to not having something that is the hammer, right? So it'll be intriguing to see. Do you think part of the reason he... he came to that leadership style is because he's not a born leader. He never thought he would be a leader. He thought he was a bastard. He's Jon Snow. Well, what's As interesting is... Danny or Cersei, who kind of always thought they deserved it or it was meant. Well, I'll them. say it's, it's the reverse. He's the only born leader. So he's just trusting his gut. He's going off of instinct. The others are using tactics. Mm-hmm. And... I guess they thought they were owed leadership, yeah. I guess is what I mean. For sure. Yeah. For sure. They, they were destined for the literally born yeah. to be the, right. the, the ruler. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, I think that some of his humility comes from that. I think some of it comes from being raised as a, a warrior instead of a politician. Mm-hmm. Um, so like none of that you know, ever would have entered into his consciousness. The things that he was raised on were to be a protector, that if you have to do um, something bad, that it needs to be done yourself. Like you need to be the one wielding the sword and not asking somebody else to do your dirty work. So, you know, all of the things that were instilled in him that would lead him to always be leading from the front, honor, wanting to be proud of himself, wanting to do the right thing, you know, really leading from gut instinct, having risen from the bottom and coming to the top. There's really two types of people that rise up to the top and say, now I get a chance to step on the people below me. And then there's people who are like, I'm going to break the cycle and I'm not going to treat people like that. And so it's, it's always really cool when you see someone who's truly gifted. And that's the thing about Jon Snow is he's actually a good leader. He actually wins, not always, um, but he, he really is a, a capable fighter, if nothing else, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a capable um, team builder. So that's what's really interesting is the way that he uses democracy to get people behind him. And All right. Um, we have anything else on Wonder Woman? I don't want to run out of time. And I feel um, like I drifted right back to male <laughs> characters. And I'd Well, love to- I was just going to ask. Obviously, we all know that the latest Wonder Woman film was mm. massively successful and curious your thoughts on why now it took so long to get the film out there there have been plenty of superhero female lead films that have failed prior to this Mm. although there have been a lot of action lead 
female leads that have succeeded the alien movies, Terminator, right, yeah, Star unbelievable. Wars, all of that. Um, so why did it take so long for a female superhero film, specifically Wonder Woman, the original, probably most popular female superhero? Well, I think some of that is just DC had a hard time with their universe and, and really getting it together in terms of um, bringing their characters successfully to screen. So, and I cannot at all speak to the internal drama that led to that. Um, so the, the why now, I don't know, right time, a lot of juice around the 75th anniversary. I think they timed it really well. And I think they just executed a great film. And I think that male, female doesn't matter. Like you can really root for somebody who has a a core set of values that they're going to steer by. That's it. They have a sense of right and wrong. They're fish out of water. They're having to learn and adapt. Um, and they didn't make classic mistakes, right? She's not ever saved by a man, right? So she really kicks ass, takes names, um, is a, a super empowered character. And some of the criticism that was thrown at it, I just did not feel even one iota while I was watching the movie. She didn't seem dumb to me in the slightest. She seemed like a fish out of water. Like you're gonna be, you're not gonna know things when you come from an entirely, essentially different universe, right? So she was orienting herself more than I felt like she was dim-witted. She never came across as dim-witted to me at all. So walking out of the movie, I had no idea there was negative feedback. And so I was just like, oh my God, that was so fun. And Lisa was like, I loved it. Like we were both like, that was amazing. And so then hearing that there was some backlash, I was a little bit surprised. So I'm glad that the numbers speak for themselves and that it crushed uh, and did a really great job. I think the, the audience has spoken. Uh, any other Wonder Woman thoughts before I move on? You know, I, I'm actually, I've never read any of the comic books, so I have a vague sense from like the 70s TV show, but but that's really it. Um, so unfortunately, I don't have deep insights to offer. But I think at this point, we have to wrap. We're running out of time. Yeah, oh, so, all right. We didn't get to Daredevil. Uh, we didn't get to Neo. So, Neo was last. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm really mortified, but it'll give us uh, something to come back to. All right, so the giveaway winner is... Christoph Logist. I like, we're going to say that's how it's pronounced. Christoph Logist. Congratulations, man. Thank you guys for joining us for that inaugural episode of Superhero Theory. Um, so I'm really, really eager to see what you guys have to say about that in the comments. Uh, this could be a really fun segment that we continue, not just with superheroes, uh, but more pop culture things like what we did earlier with leadership lessons and things like that. All right. So, Casey, thank you so much for coming in your outfit, which was absolutely amazing. I'm super, super appreciative. That was awesome. That was fun. So, thank you very much. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.